You're listening to the Business Secret Podcast. The podcast is a chance for some of Wales' finest upcoming and established business owners to share the story of their business journey. Hosted by the team here at Penguin, our guests talk in depth about how they got to where they are today, offering invaluable advice on marketing, challenges, and the highs and lows of life as a business owner. If you like what you hear, then don't forget to review us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a comment across our socials. You can download your free copy of the book, The Business Secret, direct from our website on www.penguinwealth.com. The book is written for business owners by business owners, offering invaluable tips on time management, work-life balance, how to pick the right team, and so many more activities and tips to get you on the right track. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Business Secret Podcast. On today's episode, we're met with Rob Oyston of Moby Games. So Rob, tell us a little bit about yourself, your business, and how you've got to where you are. Yeah, so uh, exactly as you said, my name's uh, Rob Oyston. Um, I started delivering uh, South Wales soccer schools back in 2005, soon after college with my childhood friend Alex. Um, and then we actually got acquired then in around 2011 by Sports Extra. Um, I sub- subsequently became managing director of uh, Sports Extra. Um, now, what Sports Extra is focused on is delivering um, delivering amazing experiences for children through physical activity. Um, and actually what happened then is I got quite ill in 2018. Um, and after that experience, um, whilst I was in hospital, I, I really felt that it would be important to start Moby Game and, and do something in care homes. Um, so yeah, in terms of the businesses that I've got, um, they all come under the same banner really in terms of uh, providing those magical experiences through physical activity. Um, and we do that through story. So we've got Sports Extra, which is the original one, if you like. Um, and that's one that I'm director and owner of. Um, and that one's for children. The key thing on that is we provide traditional sports for children who, who like football, rugby, but also alternative sports like or activities like spy school and detective for kids who don't traditionally like sport. So we've got something for everyone. Um, and then we got Moby Game. So Moby Game is mobilizing people through games. Um, and what we do there is we provide, again, magical experiences for people in care homes through games such as football, rugby, netball, hockey. So games they would have played over the years and, and games that a lot of people would say that maybe these people can't take part in anymore. So what we do is we make sure we adapt them. Uh, and to be honest, we have some unbelievable experiences. We've had a 109 year old playing dodgeball with her great grandchildren. Um, we've had a gentleman who the carers and, and even his daughter was saying, you know, don't worry, he's not going to take part in the activity. Uh, but then when we gave him a rugby ball, he kind of rose to his feet. The carers are like, careful. I said, no, let's, 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 let, let's let him have a go. And he ended up throwing perfect left-handed spiral passes. Um, and in, in those moments, so his daughter was emotional. To be fair, I was emotional. Everyone was emotional with it because it was a big moment. But if you were to see him then, you would see a very healthy older gentleman um, and then on top of that we've got uh, Kalzagi Mini Dragons so uh, Kalzagi Mini Dragons um, follows the amazing story of Joe Kalzagi and um, what we do is we cheat, teach children health and well-being so they learn non-contact boxing skills learn about anti-bullying personal development um, and that programs in schools as well and then finally we've got the family events company where we partner with the Royal Mint um, uh, the Gruffalo, so we deliver for the Gruffalo, 
And again, what we do for those ones is we uh, provide activities based on the story. So for example, with Gruffalo, Peter Rabbit, or Paddington there. So those are some that we've done with the Royal Mint. Um, we provide activities based on the story. So obviously all of those different businesses that you're currently running have an underlying link to sport in some way or another. Um, was that something you realised you always wanted to have in your professional life as well from finishing university and college? Yeah, so um, when I was uh, getting to the end of sixth form, um, I kind of just went along with the crowd. So I hadn't really planned what I was going to do past sixth form. I just loved being in school, loved playing football. Um, and um, so I ended up going to Manchester University doing geography and geology, which I kind of liked. It was OK, but I was just really just going along with the crowd. Um, so then from there, I, I realised in university that actually that wasn't what I really loved doing. And I was fortunate to have a really good mentor in the university there who I spoke to. Um, and he said, look, follow, follow what you really, really want to do. Um, so to be fair to him, his vested interest was in Manchester University and in the geography and geology department. Um, but he actually told me that, you know, that I should follow, you know, follow my passion. So I ended up then changing from a, a really good Redbrick University and uh, doing a really strong course with good prospects to then doing a sports coaching course, which um, there weren't so many of back back then in around sort of 2000. Um, but it was what I loved doing. So. Yeah, for me, I then started to change that path and I really enjoyed what I was doing. Um, and then from there, as soon as I finished university, I went over to America and realised what amazing coaching that people were doing in America in terms of the grassroots participation uh, side of things. So the thing, thing about America really is that um, they really expect and they'll really celebrate if you deliver a really strong product um, and, and provide them with a great service. However, they'll let you know if it's not good enough. Um, so when I was over there, seeing the amazing standard that was mm -hmm. delivered, I thought there's, there's an opportunity for this in, uh, in Britain. So when I came home, myself and my childhood fr friend, we set up uh, yeah, South Wales Soccer Schools uh, delivering sports. So in answer to your question, there was always a passion for sport for me. I didn't necessarily figure that it would manifest in grassroots participation. And it very much started in football and then spread into multi-sports and then alternative activities as well. That's amazing. So obviously the words of that mentor that you had in university were, were absolutely huge then. Yeah, so he made a big difference. And uh, again, he, um, yeah, very unselfishly gave me well, the, the correct advice, which I give to anyone, which is, is follow your passion. Because uh, no matter how, you know, you could see better prospects in, in another course. So, for example, geology, you can go into oil and there's, there's lots of really strong careers you go, could go in. But the reality, if, if that's not you, are you going to achieve your best? Are you going to enjoy it? Whereas sport at the time, um, from a coaching perspective, you know, there weren't many sports providers at the time when we started. Um, the prospects, you know, you'll be a PE teacher, but there's less than there was on a geography and geology degree. But I think the point was, and the point that he picked up on, really, was that if you follow, follow your passion, um, you've got a chance of doing some special things and um, certainly from your health and well-being point of view. Yeah, no, it's spot on. Uh, and obviously that's a big mentor that you had at university. Have you had any business mentors? We're big believers in having mentors at Penguin. Are you, is that something you get now on an ongoing basis at all? Yeah. So I guess um, I've had a fair few different mentors over the years uh, and actually I'm just forming an advisory board um, 
and I'll be honest, I kind of, my mentors come from, I guess, some of the mistakes that I made really in the past. So one of the biggest mistakes I've made was um, when, when we got acquired by Sports Extra. So we built up our business um, and then we got approached by Sports Extra uh, who wanted to buy us out. So they have a franchise network, uh, which I now own Sports Extra. Um, and uh, I'll be honest, we didn't really know what we were doing. So in terms of um, working out the, the sale price and, and the acquisition and, and all that sort of stuff um, was difficult. So I was sort of 29, yeah, 29 at the time. Um, and yeah, the biggest mistake I made when I got into that role is I really focused on my weaknesses. So I thought, okay, so on the business development side, I, I love that, I enjoy that. But to be the, the ultimate managing director and look after this franchise network across the UK, I'm going to need to work on my finance, work on areas that I was less strong on. So I know it's a, a convoluted way of answering your question, but from my mistakes then has kind of formed how I, I choose my mentors moving forward. So it was a big mistake to focus on my weaknesses because it just sucked a lot of energy out of me. So I'm a big believer that anyone can do anything they like, really. But if it's not your strong suit, it's just going to suck more energy out of you. So when I was working in the finance side of thing, it not being an area that I excelled in just meant that that made me labor. Whereas sort of the business development and product creation side of things are a lot easier for me. Um, so I'd say a mistake I made was to focus on those weaknesses when I think I should have probably doubled down on my strengths. And what, what that, what's that meant for me in terms of mentors now is that I put together an advisory board um, where we've got someone who focuses on legal. So I'm rubbish at legals. I haven't got a clue about legals. I've got a finance director, uh, again, because finance isn't my thing. Uh, I've got someone to help me out with the business development side to get a different perspective. Um, but essentially what I'm doing is, is putting together people to, to help me with my weaknesses. That was my next question. And so I was going to say, how did you go about when you were in that situation? Was there a point of realisation that your energy was being wasted in the areas that you might not be a specialist in, for example. So what, was there a, a point you decided that I can't be absolutely everything within this business, I need to concentrate on what I'm good at? Yeah, so I'll be honest, it was, it was very painful for me because um, uh, I was of the opinion that I could work through it. Uh, and that was my kind of attitude that I would, I would work through it. Um, so I think the real, realization was probably going on the Goldman Sachs uh, course in 2016, um, so that's a, a, a course for entrepreneurs, um, and they just kind of opened my eyes into kind of more getting people to complement your weaknesses. Had another good mentor in Chris Beswick as well, who, who really helped in terms of um, giving me alternative ways of, of how to deal with situations as well. So I think, to be honest, I'd love to say that I realised, and if I was a lot smarter, I would have realised really quickly and changed, but it was, it was a slow, painful process. And if, if, again, if I could change something, I would have changed that sort of period because it just made life hard. Yeah. Yeah, no, it sounds like, well, at least, like I said, a lot of people don't get to that stage of realising that you can't be all things to all people. So that sounds like it was a, a good decision you made at the time. Um, so linking to that then, you said about that might have been a bit of a failure you had. What would you say the biggest risk has been that you've taken throughout the, the journey of starting with obviously the soccer school and, and to where you've got to now? Yeah, so risk is an interesting one. And um, I've spoken at a couple of universities to some of their sort of MBA students. And, and so a lot of people will say to me, wow, that, you know, that was so brave setting up a business when you're 24. And I'm kind of opposite answering your question here. But 
what I say to everyone is when you're young, no mortgage, um, no responsibilities, you're probably at your best time ever. That there is no risk. The worst case scenario for me back at that time was if it all failed, I'm living at home with mum and dad for an extra year, which which is a disaster at that age. But in the scheme of things, it's not a big deal. Um, so I think starting business young was was in my favour. Uh, in terms of risk, I guess um, being acquired um, was probably the biggest risk. Um, and I probably didn't appreciate it at that time, but essentially what you're doing is, um, to an extent, I relinquished control um, that, that myself and my childhood prem business partner that we've had. Um, and you're going into a new culture and a new environment, and actually you don't know if you're going to succeed within that acquisition. Uh, we were based in Cardiff. We built good relationships in South Wales. Uh, we'd expanded to Swindon, Bristol. Um, but then for head office to be based in Stevenage, um, to rel relinquish that control and, and have that trust, I'd say that's a fairly big risk. And actually, in hindsight, especially, I don't think we'd realise quite what we built up. We built up a quite a special business, but because we had no perspective and no, at that point, no coaching, no guidance, and we were both just going with the flow. Um, yeah, I'd say that. Yeah, I'd say that was quite a risky decision to make. Yeah. Did you when the sort of the I don't know, the phone call, an email or a meeting was set up, did, how much research did you do into the company before sort of saying yes? Was it a, a long process or was it, uh, how, did, how did that work? Yeah, so it was a long process. So we had uh, solicitors involved, which if I'm honest, they weren't much use. Um, I know I probably should probably say the opposite, but they were, I think they were missing the point in the deal. So they were very much going down you know, kind of technicalities and, and things like that, like force majeure. And um, that's one of the things. So I was reading through this contract and a lot of it was fairly irrelevant. I get that some of it's, you know, is to protect you and it's um, it's the way the law works. But yeah, I found that process quite difficult um, because, yeah, I didn't really feel the advice that we were getting was helpful. Um, but yeah, in, in answer to your question, uh, you know, there was a period of probably about nine to 12 months from a starting and then getting the deal done. Oh, it's really, it's always, I always find it quite interesting when it comes to acquisitions because a lot of times we don't speak to people who've gone through that process. Um, so it's, like you said, especially when you're, like you said, 29 and just concentrating on business development, it must have been a, a real difficult decision for you and your business partner to make at the time. Yeah, it was, it was an incredibly difficult decision. Um, and I think, well, this, again, this is something that we all need to look at. It's, it's very easy to look back and think, oh, maybe we should or maybe we shouldn't have made that decision. But the reality is there's, there's nothing to be gained there and you don't know which path you go in um, after that decision. So it was, yeah, it was a real, real tough one. Um, yeah, it was, it was um, really tough. Um, myself and Alex, we had lots of meetings ourselves and late night meetings and, and all sorts to try and work out what to do. And the reality is it's a tough one. It, it, and it was a tough decision, yeah. Oh, that's good. Like I said, it's, it's always interesting to, to hear how people get through tough, tough decisions, especially in business. Um, obviously, with you running four different businesses, I think it was, you said, how do you uh, go about managing work-life balance? It's something that we talk about in, in chapter five of the book. Um, so how do you sort of differentiate between home life and, and work life? Yeah, so it's challenging, to be honest. I think one of the ways that I balance that up is to um, get your double double wins in. So, for example, if we're, if we're delivering something at the Royal Mint, because uh, I've got four young children, um, it's enabling the, my family to enjoy that experience as well. 
um, when we've traveled up to Scotland to see franchisees before, we, we did a family holiday as well. So you're kind of doing both at the same time, which isn't necessarily a great thing, but it's not necessarily a bad thing either. So I guess part of it is to try and weave it into our life. Um, but then again, I'm on that side, I'm very, you know, very lucky in that what we do fits around having young children. So the children will come to our, our holiday camps. Uh, they'll come to, you know, our weekly courses, any events that we run as well. Um, other than that, um, to be honest, the way I work is is very much like in a sprint and then rest type of way. So I'll um, I'll develop products, um, work on business development, um, and then I could be working quite intense hours. And then once whatever I was doing has got over the line, I'll kind of um, take my foot off the gas, if you like. Um, also take a benefit, uh, you know, take advantage of the fact that we can, I, I can drop the kids to school, and um, so I can time when I work. I'm not great in the morning, if I'm honest. Um, so, um, and I work much better at night. So, um, when I'm doing a lot of my projects, so I can kind of work my day around that. So it might be that, um, you know, I have an easier morning, and then I might be working late when no one else is about. But the other part, the other way of managing it really is to have people around you who complement what what I am and, and what you are as a, as a person really so um the way I do that is I need to have someone consistently around me who's going to do the consistent day-to-day -day stuff um because because again that's just not my strength so my strength is developing um and creating and it's definitely not doing the consistent side so it's really important for me to make sure I place the right people around me uh, to fulfill those bits that would put a lot of stress on me from a health and well-being point of view if if i were to do those things mm. no it's like okay it goes back to what you're saying before isn't it about having the, the right people in the right places um allowing yeah. you to then have that work-life balance that you want if you don't have to be like you said admittedly not being great in the mornings you've got people who can possibly take those tasks off you which is a good way of doing it um obviously we're as financial planners we're big believers in paying yourself first um a lot of business owners obviously at the start do put all of their money back into the business have you been somebody who's tried to sort of benefit from the business personally and sort of extract funds to help your personal life as well yeah so it's an interesting one so i'd say to begin with um uh, well definitely when we start to be honest when we start the business we didn't and I, I certainly didn't have a clue about much really so um we started running the business but to begin with we didn't get a bank account um because that just we hadn't got to that point on the list so what we ended up doing was just collecting the money without paying ourselves um, just because we hadn't kind of got around to that bit. We were so focused on doing the doing, if you like, that we, uh, for the first few months, we didn't set up those systems. So then gradually we got support and advice on how to do these things and, you know, basic things like get a bank account. And by the way, I think that's a source of inspiration for people in that you really don't need to know how to do everything to run a business. Uh, I think it's important that you do the right thing for the right reasons. And then, um, and then the other place will fall into, will fall into place. Um, so then we got to a point where we were working really, really hard. Uh, we were paying ourselves a lower amount, um, and uh, when we could have paid ourselves a lot more in hindsight. So we we're probably doing that for about eighteen months. Then we looked at it and thought, oh, "Hang on a sec, we could be paying ourselves more." And then we we jumped it up, and then we realised that we'd actually achieved our goals at that point. Um, and we we're paying ourselves quite well, but it was weird because because we were so focused on the doing, um, and we we're fairly young at that time. We just 
we probably missed it by 18 months in terms of realizing and then we're like oh we're doing really well what's interesting now with covid so that's kind of so i'd say then we started taking the right amount out of the business notes keep it balanced um but make sure that we're taking what we should out when COVID's happened now, if I'm honest, I've kind of gone back into startup mode, if you like, in that I'm uh, accumulating reserves rather than taking out just because I don't really know what what the future holds, you know, in terms of uh, we're very much in a time where decisions particularly impact our industry, well, as well as others, um, decisions are made on a daily basis, which impact it. So at the moment, what I'm trying to do is I'm, I guess I'm on the defensive. So uh, making sure that I take a little bit but uh, really focus on building up uh, um, reserves because we just don't know what's going to happen um, yeah and, and obviously with your industry it seems to be silly of us not to mention it um how have you coped with everything that's gone on since sort of march april especially with what you're doing with lockdowns and people not being able to leave their houses it must have impacted it quite quite a lot yeah so um yeah to be honest it was a big shock um we did see it coming, so we we began to put things in place once when COVID was in Italy, which was about two weeks before things really started to kick off in Britain. Um, but essentially, we pretty much lost ninety nine percent of our revenue overnight, um, or in a very short period of time. Um, and it was it was panic. I was, you know, that was it was very very difficult. You're under a lot of stress, or we we were under a lot of stress, and um, you're having to make a lot of decisions and from a very stressful point of view so um yeah i, th I think that was a very very difficult time and I, but we i'm a big believer in doing the right thing so the way we adapted to that was to look at what we can do so what we started doing was delivering free sessions so we did free online sessions on facebook um for moby game and sports extra um so what we thought we were doing at least we're offering physical activity for people because you've got to have empathy for everyone here so yes we were having a tough time but so is everyone else um kids kids are at home um lonely and isolated people uh haven't got their normal support networks so by delivering activities free online um we felt we were doing the right thing and i'm a big believer that good things happen if you're doing the right thing um so what that meant for us, it, it built our following up. So we increased our followings on, on those platforms, which was great, particularly in Sports Extra. So that over doubled over that period. But really importantly, we got some support as well from. Um, so we managed to get some some funding. So someone had seen what we were doing. Um, we'd spoken to them in, in, in detail and they wanted us to continue to be able to do that. So they provided uh, a source of financial support for us that way. Uh, based on the good we were doing so that's where yeah doing the good we were doing and doing the free stuff actually resulted in us having um getting financial support which really really helped us out to be fair that's great do you get a lot of good um interaction with the the free stuff you're doing i know there was a lot of um sort of like joe wicks did his um sessions with kids and things did you get quite a lot of interaction with it when you were doing it yeah so we, what we found is uh when we did new ones they would uh they started off really high in terms of participation and then they kind of over time level off but i mean we were doing two a day <laughs> so we were doing a lot um so yeah that, that's how we dealt with that and then the other the other thing then so it's all well and good doing the free stuff and then we got lucky i guess in people supporting us um but then it was like okay so in real times this is kind of the new norm and, and particularly looking at care homes um 
you know, how long is it going to be until people are allowed back into care homes? And then what are the implications then for the lifestyle experience of those residents? So what we did then is obviously our, our whole business model, loads of people would say to me, oh, yeah, Moby Game must be just dead on its feet now. And yeah, it kind of was. Um, but what we managed to do was uh, develop a training and support program whereby we trained and empowered the care staff to deliver our program. So we, we signed a contract with a, a big care home group um, to deliver that across England and Wales. Uh, and essentially what we do is we train them up on how to deliver our Moby Game program, as well as our Dillis Price OBE Move to Improve program. Um, and what that gives them is a comprehensive sport and dance offering. And what, what that means really is that it doesn't matter what res resident you are or who, who you are as an individual in a care home, there should be something for you. So if you don't like football, cricket, um, rugby, netball, ice hockey, you might like dance. So we've adapted those games. And then by training up the uh, care staff, we feel that we're empowering a group who, of people who do some amazing work and, and in my opinion, are, are, are underpaid and undervalued in many ways. So to be able to empower them to deliver um, allows those amazing experiences to happen in care homes. And then you've got the double benefit, actually, of the old model of us being an external going in means that we, they can afford to have us in once, once a week, possibly. Um, whereas now, when you've trained up the care worker, they can do it every day. And there's a lot of research that shows that the benefits for residents of physical activity is is off the charts in terms of uh, health, well-being, um, their mortality. So, so there's so many benefits. So that, that's been a big pivot. The other part of it as well. So when you're training up uh, people who aren't normally coaches, if you like, um, you need to consider are they going to be able to deliver? So. By adding in the support uh, support element where I'm on Skype calls with them on a weekly basis, they've got access to me at any time to help them with their personal development. Um, that's made a big difference as well. As well, like you said, it's the amount of difference that, that specifically that one can make now to be those people's lives. Like you said, you could go in once a week before, but now if they can do something three, four, five times a week, the difference that's going to make must be a, must be a really nice feeling knowing that. It's amazing. And then one of our measures is special experiences. So I, I mentioned a couple to you with the dodgeball player and the, the rugby player. And what's amazing for me now, so when I'm talking to them in the support calls, is I love the fact that um, there's been a session running in Essex, um, Brighton, you know, all over all over the UK. And they'll tell me about these special experiences that are happening. So and, and special experience could be anything. So from, you know, one call that I had yesterday, um, was about a resident who, um, who since COVID has happened, because everything's kind of changed, you know, people wear masks and things, they've become more with, withdrawn because everyone can sense that something's just not right. Um, whereas by doing the mobile game session, uh, he really joined in with the, the sport, absolutely loved it. Um, and then did a, did a, um, a Zoom call with, with his family and then suddenly just being able to have that connection, have something that he was excited about, you know, and that makes a real difference to people's lives. So you're not talking just the physical activity and the endorphins, but you're talking about the, the socialising that goes on. So the impact is special and well, to be honest, absolutely love it. Yeah, it's huge. And I guess it makes those late nights of working so, so worth, I imagine. Definitely, without a shadow of a doubt, yeah. Yeah, so that, that, that's what it's all about. And again, it is special to know that uh, a programme that we've created is, is impacting people afar. It must be, it must be an amazing feeling. Um, 
I guess to bring it back to the business then and to you on a more personal level, um, we're big believers in planning for your eventual exit from a business or financial freedom, as we like to call it. Do you have any plans in place at the moment for what that looks like on your sort of personal financial journey outside of business? Well, to be fair, um, I think that's something that, you know, Craig and, and Penguin have really helped me with. Um, so I'm very much focused on, so on making sure we can impact as many people. So for example, with Moby Game, uh, I want to make sure there's no reason from my point of view why this program isn't in all homes across the UK and, and potentially internationally. Um, so those are kind of where I'm focused. And what, what I think is really helpful for me is, is speaking. And again, my weakness would be that I'm focused just on what, what impact we can have and I'll get excited that way. So I don't necessarily think about my exit too much. And, and that's what's been really helpful for Craig. So conversations that I'm having now with Craig are really helping me to, to kind of think about and, and think about the succession really in terms of how do we continue the, the mission, obviously, as, as, as I get older um yeah and i think to have those conversations with a financial advisor i think is really really important because i'd imagine most entrepreneurs are probably a little bit like me you kind of so caught up in in what you're doing that you don't think of that side so much but it's so so important to do because essentially that links to your health well-being and one of the reasons you do it i mean look the reason i do what i do is i love having a social impact but i need to provide for my family and i want to make sure my family are looked after as well yeah exactly and like you said as you're not the, the first person to say it when we've had these conversations on the podcast of you sort of just get caught up in the business development because it's what you love doing and like you said in your case making the differences and, and having that thought then of the personal finance side of it does sort of get get lost sometimes yeah for sure yeah and again um but i would definitely recommend uh, at the earliest stage um for many many different reasons um again if i was kind of placed back my journey well there's lots I would change but one thing I'd, I'd get in touch with a good financial advisor um, and someone like Craig um, again I, I couldn't recommend him highly enough because he's yeah his knowledge is very very good and he, he communicates in a, in a way with patience and he communicates in a way that you can understand everything so whether it's life insurance looking after that side of things critical illness they're really really important things that you should know and then leading into your exit plan as well yeah, it's great. No, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. I guess on that, it's sort of you've uh, segued into it quite well. But what three pieces of advice would you give, just give yourself if you were starting again? You mentioned there about getting advice early, but are there anything else, any other points you'd, looking back at your 24 year old self when you started, that you'd uh, sort of give yourself pointers? Yeah, so I would I'd definitely say to kind of double down on my strengths and not be so focused on what I couldn't do. Um, and that, so I think the, re the reason you're going to be successful as an entrepreneur is because, because of what you're good at. And then I guess that leads into the second one in terms of making sure you therefore get the right people around you. Um, and then I think at the moment now, so it wasn't available so much when I was uh, younger, but definitely there's a number of different business support channels. So whether it's through NatWest, uh, if you're a social entrepreneur, a company like uh, a charity like Unlimited, um, I would definitely seek one of those broader bodies who are going to look at your business plan and, and provide you with genuine good support. Um, so that was something that I didn't have at the time, or at least I, didn't, I wasn't aware of. So I think those three things, really. But I think what overrides all of that um, is I would definitely recommend that if you've got an idea, it doesn't matter how good it is written down, uh, you never know what's going to happen until you take it out to market. So 
the main message that I'd want to give anyone who's thinking of starting a business is, is just to do it. Because as soon, as soon as you do it and you get out there, um, you'll understand how your market reacts. You'll understand how what people think about your product and you're actually able to move forward. Because I've seen a lot of people who are just kind of stuck in their business plan and it might look great on paper, but you really need to just get out there and do. So if you have got an idea and in terms of not having any sort of regrets and because everyone's got an idea down the pub, everyone's a businessman down the pub and, and knows what they can do. Um, but if, if you really want to do it so you can have no regrets, just just have a go. I think that's the biggest thing. And that's probably the biggest thing I'd say people who want to be entrepreneurs that aren't, they lack is, is just that they haven't got the confidence to give it a go. But what's the worst that can happen? I think if you if you go out there and you do it with integrity, you're doing it for the right reasons um, and it's something you're passionate about, definitely just get out there and give it a go. Great bits of advice. So just, just to cover those off again, uh, double down on your strengths, get advice, get business support from, like you mentioned, that West being one, um, to try and find those avenues. That are, like I said, I couldn't agree more. There's so many out there at the moment. Um, it seems to be more and more helpful to start a businesses. And then more really? important than anything else, just, just get out and do it. That's it. Yeah, definitely. And then I guess the points one and two are linked together. So uh, double down on your strengths and then get that support around you of where your weaknesses are. Yeah, spot on. Great, great, great advice to give. This final question then regarding you in terms of business, what's the plans for the future? You mentioned about making expansions now that some sort of pivots around COVID. What does the, the future look like for you guys? Yeah, so um, I think for, for Moby Game, I, I really see that um, being delivered across the UK, as I said, um, and very, re you know, it's a real possibility that that's delivered internationally. Um, because I think what we've developed there is a really simple model. Um, and I'm so pleased that we got um, Dillis Price, uh, OBE, who unfortunately passed away a couple of weeks ago, but we've got her, we've developed her Move to Improve programme. Um, and I know that she was so excited about getting that out there as well. So the fact that we can cover the sports and the dance, um, I think is quite magical actually. So there should be something for everyone. Um, then with the Calzaghi Mini Dragons, um, what we'll look to do with that is, is very similar. So we'll look to um, see how we can license that. Um, we've got a few different things in the pipeline there, but essentially there's no reason why that couldn't be uh, delivered across the UK as well. And then Sports Extra, um, what we're doing on that side of things uh, is keeping that within the franchise network we've got and just keeping that, making sure we look after our franchisees making sure we look after our customers and keeping that as a real manageable um, thing where we provide a great service for the children. So yeah, I guess those are our plans really. Yeah, just keep keep growing from where, from where you currently are. Um, okay then, so outside of business, just so the, the listeners can get a bit of a better understanding of you as a, a person away from all the incredible stuff that you're doing. Um, some quick fire questions. So what if any uh, books are you reading at the moment? So Malcolm Gladwell, uh, Outliers just started reading, yeah, Outliers, which is really, really good. I've just started uh, listening to it on Audible as well. The last couple of weeks, I've had about sort of six chapters in, so uh, yeah, couldn't recommend that book enough as well. So um, actually, on that one, tip, Tipping Point is the one I've just finished. I'm just onto Outliers, but I I just, if you haven't watched uh, read Tipping Point, and that's a really good one as well. I'll have to give that one a look. Um, what is the best business book that you've ever read? Um, so I think because it's fresh, I'm going to have to say tipping point <laughs> because, because, yeah, I really, well, hence that I went for the same author again. Perfect. 
Um, what music or podcast do you listen to at the moment? So music-wise, I'm going back old school into what I was uni listening to university, so uh, listening to a lot of Muse. And the reason for that really is uh, that music, I can't really understand what they're saying, which is great, which means I can work to it. So I can add that on fairly loud and then develop, uh, develop the programmes. So not, not a big podcast listener when it comes to doing work? Oh, so podcasts, uh, yeah, so I wouldn't listen to a podcast while I was doing work because I'd want to be listening to the podcast. Um, so Gary V, I find... Uh, inspirational and I think that the thing I'd say about Gary Vee is um, if you kind of get over yeah just look, look a little bit listen a little bit deeper into him I, I, I can understand why people might get put off initially but the content that he, he comes up with is really good and, and his advice is uh, really solid he's a true entrepreneur to be fair and uh, uh, I'd recommend him he's, I think he's inspirational and he breaks things down really simply and communicates really well yeah I've always found when he does his um Sort of predictions of where things are going to go it's quite scary how accurate he is sometimes with with some of them especially around social media I've, uh, i must admit what listeners to me did 18 months ago about tiktok being the next big thing and nobody knew about it and now it's got billions and millions of people on it so it's a uh, it's always always a good listen um finally then who is your business idol business idol i'd, I'd go simon cynic um reason for that really is um i really like his people-centered approach um I like his style and to be fair yeah he's a businessman in his own right in terms of what he's done but um, I guess as a leader um, that is that that's that's how um, I'd like to have my my house in order if you like yeah that was good perfect perfect answers um so thanks for that Rob uh, great to have you on and thanks to uh, everyone for listening um until next time goodbye all right take care thank you We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Business Secret Podcast and managed to take away some valuable tips and activities to help you in your business journey. This podcast is aimed at those about to start their self-employed life, are already well into their time as a business owner, or are interested in the business world of Wales. If you like this episode of the Business Secret Podcast, you can catch up on our other episodes available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. Every episode is available on our website on www.penguinwealth.com where you'll find a full transcription of each episode, useful links, and a step-by-step -step process on how to download and keep any episode released. You can also download your free copy of our book, The Business Secret, direct from our website. Don't forget to leave us a review and a star rating on Apple Podcasts.